Happy Saturday. This is Emily Shram, your Meathead Hippie podcast host. Thank you for joining me. I have a lot in my heart, a lot of things that came through, and I am excited to share what I think we're all going through because we are all going through it. There is always these big collective movements and feelings, and I keep having this visual that when we think of pain and suffering and uh, just in general, how divided the world is and thinking outside of just politics or America, really imagine traveling the world really quickly in your head, going from country to country, countries you've only seen or heard about in geography class or thinking of places and people who live a certain way that's so different than the way you maybe live, just understanding economics and understanding uh, anthropology and understanding all of these dynamics that make humans human and why we are the way we are and how things are the way they are. Just really knowing that there is a lot of injustice and pain and suffering in the world. And we all know this, right? We all see it in some capacity and sometimes we don't want to expose ourselves to it because what can we do? But I keep seeing this visual of knowing that to heal the world, we heal ourselves, And to understand that there is so much to process and grieve collectively that we ourselves in that internal healing and in that processing get to do that for the entire world. And it helps me on those days where I really go into the subconscious or I really go into my feels or I really have an emotional day when I'm just feeling it all, I remember this isn't just mine. This is maybe all. And if I don't do this, if I'm, if I'm not willing to do this, or if I don't sit still long enough to do this, or if I don't make space to do this, because it does take space, it takes, you know, resting and feeling. And we're usually too busy for that. Then who will do it? And if we get to do it for others, then we're more likely to do it for ourselves. And so it's a nice way to see how we feel as collective. It's not so individual. We are all one. And it is such a beautiful visual that I keep getting and I hope I get forever, which is in order for this to really heal as a whole, in order for the world to heal, in order for us to stop some of these big climate crises that are happening and in order for us to stop the extinction of all these animals and for us to cooperate with Mother Earth, for us to really be in reciprocity, there's so many changes that have to happen and so much infrastructure that needs to be built and so many creative ideas that don't exist yet that need to come through for us to solve these problems. But we also can never move forward unless we ourselves accept maybe our disappointment maybe our grief, maybe our sadness. And so just remember that you're feeling all these things for a reason. It's never, never for not. (laughs) And that has been so helpful for me and hopefully helpful for you because these emotions, everything's energy, right? So if we think of it that way, we know it's going to take time. We know it's going to take a lot of this healing. And I say this because sometimes it can be frustrated when we go through healing and we go through this big wave and then we have some epiphany or we have some sort of quote finish line or quote light at the end of the tunnel where we think we maybe move through something and then we're going to get to somewhere that we've been waiting to get to. 
And if we don't get to that place, we're like, wait, what did I do wrong? <laughs> what, you know, do I deserve this? Am I a bad person? But because the light at the end of the tunnel never exists, which I write about in my book, it does allow us to begin. It always starts us on our journey. We always do what we do. We always are going to the same place. We have our own ways of doing it because eventually we'll all end up in the same place. Hopefully, if we are all understanding that love is the answer, right? That we have to let go of the ego. We have to dig into the feelings and the things that we talk about on this podcast. So I have been really feeling this because I am in Northern California and I'm on this beautiful farm and I'm just enjoying the shit out of it because I'm learning and I am getting my hands on things. And I talk, talk about this a lot to the members that I have, which is just a little bit more of an intimate behind the scenes, Emily, <laughs> Emily's life where I do live talks with my, my peeps, but I also want to share enough of it here, which is, this is a crazy time where if I don't get myself immersed in something, I will never fully understand it. And I wrote this quote a long time ago that I just love. And it was a part of the Force of Nature event, which is a regenerative meat company that I am really in love with what they're doing and how they're operating and how they communicate about land and animal and reciprocity. But we cannot create problems that we do not understand. That's not what it was. <laughs> we, can't, we cannot create solutions to problems we don't understand. There we go. I don't even remember my quote. The quote being, regardless of how I said it, is until I'm fully immersed into something, until I fully understand it, then there will be no real solution. And that goes for me, myself, if I don't understand why my gut hurts, why my stomach hurts after certain foods, if I don't understand why my body's not changing after consistent three weeks of workouts, if I don't understand why my sleep is not so great, then how can I holistically and efficiently change and then correct course so that the ecosystem in its entirety functions better. And so a lot of times I think we're reaching or I am reaching for this feeling without me fully understanding it. And so this is just a big analogy for how I got to where I'm at and just opening up my heart and saying, just take it, take me anywhere. And before I hit record, I always have my playlist kind of lead me. You know, there's times where you're like, whoa, that song is not where I want to be led. <laughs> but there's times with Spotify that you can get a really good playlist going. And if you give it feedback, which is why I'm obsessed with the go to radio feature. And I've said this before, but you have to, everything's a metaphor, but just like the go to radio feature on Spotify, if I don't give it feedback and like it or dislike it, if a song comes on, it will go somewhere and it's going to be a mediocre playlist. But if I give this playlist, the go to radio, this template that Spotify gives me and give it feedback, just like I should do in a relationship, just like I should do in communication with others, just like I should do with the universe, the feedback is what gets us to the place that we want to go. And now all of a sudden these playlists can be so divine and such messages from the universe. And I was 
listening to the song called Eclipse, and it's a beautiful song. I mean, it's just one of the really beautiful things on my playlist that I love. And I was thinking about the eclipses that I've been a part of and how we've all been a part of so many eclipses. And in astrology, it's a time of the world ending because the moon literally goes away or the sun, right? So there's a covering up of light, which is everything for humanity. And if we think about eclipses in our own individual life, we have to not see what's happening and be willing for everything to change. And I was like, wow, I remember sitting on top of Haleakala in Maui, the the temple of the sun, the most sacred place. <laughs> it looks like the moon geographically. It's like wild, the topography, and it's just such a sacred spot. And with my dear friend James, who is the highest percentage of deer that I have seen yet on the bird quiz, like 44 something percent. <laughs> it was crazy. It's like, you are a full deer. We were watching um, the eclipse. It was like 11, 12, maybe 1 a.m. And I just gave some offerings of butterfly PT and let myself be as close to the moon in this eclipse as I possibly could. And I surrendered and just said, take it. Whatever needs to be changed, whatever needs to end, whatever I need to do. It was, it was so intense, but it wasn't like I knew what I was doing. And I think sometimes these rituals and these practices and these prayers and these ceremonies, whatever that looks like for you, as simple as meditation or as simple as I am grateful for XYZ, these, these things that we kind of know we're called to, or we want to lean into a little bit more or prayers, whatever it might be. If we really knew the outcome, sometimes I don't think we would do them, (laughs) especially when you're under an eclipse on Haleakala saying just whatever is best for you. (laughs) If I would have known what that entailed, if I saw the literal lineup, you know, I would have, my ego small self would have said, no way, don't do it, don't do it, please don't do that, don't do that, let me keep that. I would try to control everything, right? There was such a control in me. that In my head, I knew what was best and we don't, we don't know what's best because it's supposed to change always. It's supposed to always change. And this beautiful quote showed up in my life while I was watching these documentaries last night about the Pomo people. So I'm in Northern California. I'm on the sacred land. I didn't understand what does this mean, sacred land? Who lived here before these people that currently live here? What does that mean? And the quote is, if you do not change direction, you may end up where you are heading. This is a Lao Tzu quote that showed up in this documentary that I was watching on Pomo Indians, which were here for millennia. 20,000 estimated population in the 1800s decimated to well under 3,000, if not less, within a matter of decades, decimated because of colonizers that came here, slavery that happened, horrible things, culture completely ripped apart. And we know that in order to heal and to understand how to make sure that there is a reckoning of injustice. How do we understand this? How do I understand this? We have to recognize and acknowledge what has happened. And there's still so much that's left to be 
learned about this. So I myself am digging in as much as I can because I had no clue the pain that was suffered, the the feelings that were um, not, I mean, it's just mind-blowing to me. Like, okay, I am now understanding everywhere I walk is sacred and everything that was here before me was no longer here and is no longer here because it was taken. And it's usually taken by a man or a group of people who want more resources, who want to take more than they have to offer. And it's why this whole beautiful conversation about sacred economics exists. So as I'm reading about where I'm living and understanding how do I participate as someone who is very white on this land? How do I give respect to this land? How do I understand it? The ultimate answer is just keep moving forward to making sure everyone loves Mother Earth as much as Mother Earth loves us. Nature is speaking to us. It's talking to us. It's having a conversation with us. And all we're doing is cutting, cutting, cutting. We see ourselves separate from it. And so this has been a huge, beautiful experience being in Northern California, now understanding this entire new section of, you know, ignorance, I guess, on my part of, it's not just about what's now and what to do from moving forward, but it's about reckoning and understanding what happened before us, which is why there's such collective processing happening. And so letting myself cry, even though I don't know why, you know, really hearing and finding and seeking out people who are of this descent and making sure that every respect for everything that is taken from the land, from red raspberry leaf to a little gem lettuce, there's a thank you, there's an offering. And again, we might not always know what we're doing with our rituals, but there's a reason we're doing them and we just have to keep doing them because it's opening up space for the answers to come, for this change to occur. And as I am on this beautiful land and understanding all these things and feeling crazy emotional because there's so much coming through and so much that I do not know, I always look for bigger things, right? What are the transits in astrology and this new beautiful gift that was given to me through Pasha and through people who love human design called The Gene Keys. This is a book by Richard Rudd, who is um, basically an extension of Ra, who created the human design profile, which I talked about quite a bit in a recent tea time with my members and a couple podcasts. But it's this idea that we are not as, you know, again, individual as we think. Our moods are affected. Our communication is affected and supported by the things that are bigger. So if we think about a transit happening in astrology, it is really amazing to understand how it does impact you as an individual because it helps you remember it's more collective than we realize. It gives us empathy. And in human design, it's tied into astrology, which is why it's so great. It's a a four-tier plus system. So right now there's a transit with what is called the 29th gene key. And if you know your human design, you can look and see if you have this gene key, if you have this gate, 
which is what it's called. It's in your body graph that you can get for like a free human design reading. If you Google or brave search it and it is the most pertinent gene key I have listened to or heard yet. And I think all of us would relate to this and I wanted to share it because its title is leaping into the void. And so if we look at each gate or gene key, the reason this is beautiful, there's 64 of them, just like our codons, our genetic makeup, everything is mirroring each other in nature, right? Everything spirals and fractals. (laughs) We have our shadow side, we have our gift, and then we have the highest elevation, which is called the city. So there's three layers into every gate. So for all 64 gene keys, there's three layers. Something that is maybe more realistic for our human ways. This is our tendencies, the shadow, the darker parts of it, the ways that we, if we don't acknowledge these pieces in ourselves, can easily operate in. Then we understand, wow, the shadow was only a shadow so I could see it and now move it to the gift. Now this gift is where I can embody it. This is where I'm like, wow, I'm really good at something like this. This does feel like I have capacity for this. This is the way to make the world a better place and make me a better place. This is something that I have a character flaw or not a character flaw, a character um, trait in. This is a good thing. And then we can take it even further and make it so transformative and so elevated in light that it becomes the city, which is ultimately always the goal, right? To bring more light in. So the shadow of leaping into the void is half-heartedness. The gift of leaping into the void is commitment. And the city of leaping into the void of this 29th gene key is devotion. And with a recent podcast with my friend Sydney, we were talking about committing to something or procrastination. And this idea that sometimes it's like, Is it fear that's stopping me or is it I don't have all the information yet or is it actually not in alignment with me? Is it not actually meant for me because I'm not getting this big burst of energy to do it? You know, this thing is blocking me and it's a hard thing to differentiate sometimes, you know, because there's things we really want to do and yet we don't feel like we have the tools or resources And then we're like, well, we do actually have the tools or resources. This is my own fear and emotion blocking myself from moving through and actually completing this. But sometimes, and a lot of times, we are living in should. So because of other people, because of social media, because of where we're at in the world, always looking to others to feel validated in self, many times we are picking things that we think we should do because it makes sense on paper. It makes sense in our head logistically and realistically, but it's not this true heart following. And so there's obstacles or there's feelings or there's just not quite enough energy for it. And then we delay and we don't do something or we procrastinate. And I love this, this this leaping into the void gene key because it really digs into the shadow of half-heartedness, which is living a life half-lived, where we are all ultimately living in shoulds. 
And I recently wrote a blog. I have a random write whenever I feel it. <laughs> Emilyshaum.com slash M's process blog that I said should is could wrapped up in shame. Should is could wrapped up in shame. And how solar plexus specifically, our creative center, our ego, it's a little different for human design, but kind of this big sunshine in our body, in our energetic body, is always limited by one word feeling of shame. This gross film of shame, whatever that comes from, whoever that comes from, usually at a young age, from the way we were raised, or passed through us from generations that we maybe had, that we held, which is interesting too. Some of us process more for others than we realize. So if that's you, then bless you. You're so needed. Uh, So if we have this life half lived, like this epiphany can happen of I am a part of things. I feel like my life is half lived because I'm a part of things that aren't actually a huge yes for me. And then the reason for most of this is because the most of the things that are happening with should is a financial obligation or a feeling that we're stuck in these constructs of this infrastructure that if we actually followed our heart, we would never be able to live because we wouldn't be able to get paid a certain way, right? These are real things. These are real fears and real things. This makes sense. So there's a middle line, but I want to read some of this because to read this made me so excited (laughs) for what the potential is for how we make decisions moving forward. You know, no matter where we're at, how we got to where we're at, here we are. Today's a new day. We get to create our future. It might not look perfect. It might be a lot of different direction changes, but clearly we are here because we don't want to live a life half-lived. So as we look at commitment and half-heartedness, the secret to all commitment lies in the way in which you begin. It is the energy behind your actions that creates your future rather than the actions themselves. There is nothing that is worth doing in life unless it is done with absolute commitment. It doesn't matter whether you love it or hate it. If you attempt anything half-heartedly, you might as well not attempt it at all. Without commitment, action lacks power. It lacks direction. And above all, it lacks luck. This last comment sounds a rather bit odd, but there exists a universal law that anything that is done with full commitment carries within it the seed of good fortune. Likewise, anything that is done with out full commitment carries the seed of misfortune. All life is a continuum and every action you take leads you down a certain path. It must also be said that there is no morality behind this universal law of commitment. It simply represents an invitation for you to trust in life. Half-heartedness robs you of your opportunity to participate in life's mystery. It stalls life's natural tendency towards the magical and the profound. It keeps you the victim of fate rather than being a player in the great play. It keeps you on the sidelines, ensuring that you play roles in life that are dull, monotonous, or fraught with emotional agony. In a nutshell, when you enter into something half-heartedly, you invite misery into your life. 
This gene key is about human feelings. It is about sex and relating, failure, success, desire, and expectation. No matter who you are, your life depends upon your honoring the laws of this gene key. When you do something half-heartedly, you are actually behaving dishonestly. You may not be literally dishonest with others, but you are being dishonest with yourself and with life, and this always has unpleasant consequences. The 29th shadow is a wake-up call to all human beings. How clearly you hear the message depends on how deeply asleep you are. Commitment operates within a cycle, and at the end of its cycle, it either automatically renews itself or it lets go and commits to something else. These cycles can be of many different lengths. The cellular cycle lasts for seven full years, since that is how long it takes the body to replace all of its renewable cells. True commitment within a time of cycle therefore lasts seven years or more. Cycles of desire, like relationships, can last much less time, but each has its own built-in timing mechanism. Human beings must work through their desire cycles until they reach a natural completion. Unfortunately, there is no simple way to know when something will end. You need to remain committed until the play has ended of its own accord. If you break out of a cycle prematurely, your life will reconstruct the same patterns of experience until you actually finish the cycle and learn the lessons it holds for you. Which is why most human beings are in repeating patterns because they do not follow through things to their natural endings. True commitment includes the energy to overcome obstacles and adversity and half-heartedness is giving up at the first sign of trouble and discomfort and all of this half-heartedness is rooted in deep, unembraced fear. There's so much goodness in this that you could continue to read about the shadow But what I love the most is each shadow has a repressive nature and then a reactive nature. So if any of that resonated, there's usually two paths that this happens. If it's repressed, because energy is always moving. So if this exists in us, it looks like overcommitment. These people are conditioned not only to make commitments, but also to keep them no matter what happens. In other words, these people are unable or unwilling to recognize when natural cycles are over. Such a nature takes on far more than it is capable of handling and then becomes gradually exhausted by the magnitude of its commitments. These people often become victims of others or they become slaves of large organizations. Because of the fear in their nature, they do not have the courage to admit when something needs to end and they continue to allow others to abuse them consciously or unconsciously. And then we have the reactive nature. When the 29th shadow is played out through a reactive nature, it hides a deep fear of commitment that is seen by others as a lack of reliability. When one, does, when one does something without true commitment, then one can rarely follow through an action or a cycle with confidence and competence. The usual result is the breaking off of the cycle and a consequent disappointment and sense of failure or shame. These are natures that may, see, that may say yes to all kinds of things, but then react to the pressure by pulling out of their commitments. The anger inherent within this nature is usually triggered by someone else's expectation of them, and thus they tend to talk things up whilst lacking the ability to deliver on their promises. 
And so if we recognize this, that's all that's needed, right? Okay, I recognize I overcommit or I recognize that I am unreliable and I don't judge myself for it. Shame is already tied into this enough. So now what do we do? We understand that our best case scenario is committing to obviously the things that are only a huge yes, that are only a yes from the deepest parts of us. We don't do things through should. We do do things through our heart. What is our heart leaning towards? What is our heart asking from us? But sometimes it's hard to understand. What does that mean? (laughs) So I'm going to read a little bit about the gift, which is commitment. As your frequency becomes clearer and more refined, your decision-making process naturally becomes clearer and cleaner and quicker as well. If we do not stick in the shadow... We are no longer subject to the pressure, pressures of conditioning and expectation from others, but opens, we open up into a deep connection to the direction of the life force within. People with this 29th gift have the knack of getting out of the way of life, and through this gift, they can watch their lives unwinding in powerful and mythical ways. Without the 29th gift and its ability to make crystal clear commitments, Life becomes choked, confused, and nowhere is this truer than at the emotional and sexual level. Ooh, so much goodness. So if we, if we are just really understanding what we're committing to before we really commit to it and knowing that we're doing a lot of things because we think we should, it turns us into half-hearted, half-lifed people. And so if we're really going to do this, This is the time. This is transiting right now. Whether you have this forever in your chart, always in your chart, subconsciously or consciously in your chart, or you're just a part of it because it's transiting in the sky. So all of us have it to some degree. So we get this moment of understanding there's new, there's this new way, there's changes, there's big opportunities. And if I see it as something that is trying to speak to me directly, it's saying leap into the void but make sure it is fully what you are ready to pursue. Make sure that it is fully a yes in your body because your heart knows it's a yes. You keep you know, kind of sparking when something says it and you keep finding these things and these messages are coming to you in these moments, whatever it is, whether it's little songs or people or DMs, there's this kind of like breadcrumb trail that's happening and your heart opens up when you when you get closer to it or when you feel like you're drawn to something you might not be able to define it but you follow it and our society does not reward that because it says that it is out of the system it's going to make us you know irresponsible or it's it is irresponsible or it's going to cause you know a, a a massive deficit that we'll never be able to get out of, which is a total fear, right? So if we follow that heart and we are understanding it, then it makes us more brave to just pursue these things. And hopefully it makes you more brave to pursue those things. But it also makes me really honest with myself of what I've pursued that was a eh or a meh. And knowing that I could just walk away from it, but what is so beautiful is that if I can actually finish some of these cycles even though it is going to take so much in me to do, every part of me is going to be stretched. Every part of me is going to be challenged. But if I am able to complete some of these commitments that I have already said yes to, whatever that looks like, the cycle of whatever the cycle pattern is that's negative or in the shadow 
will break because it will repeat itself in different forms, just like relationships repeat themselves in different forms until you get to the root. And as I was gardening the other day, it's such a simple metaphor, but I was pulling out, I usually don't pull out purslane because purslane is so wonderful. It's just such a good root and nutrient dense. And we keep a lot of the roots in the ground because it brings aeration and helps the soil in so many different ways. But this one was really in the way. <laughs> and it was huge. So I am trying to dig it out, dig it out, dig it out. And I could not get it. And it was this big metaphor, which is the closer you are to the root, the faster you're going to be able to get this out. And so many of us are pulling at the roots from a superficial level. We're on the plant. We're on the object of needing to get out, right? This is the thing that needs to get out, but I'm at the top parts of these plants. So I'm pulling out pieces and pulling out pieces. But if I take both of my, if I put my phone down, put both of my hands on this root, and then from there, dig in, even though it takes so much effort, now we can get the whole thing out. And it's not just pulling and pulling on the top parts, pulling on pieces where we're always going to have to get closer. It's not that that's not going to work. We're going to get closer and closer and closer, but we're at the point where it's really a beautiful time to put our hands in and dig the whole damn thing out. And we can do that. And this, this whole gene key that you can read is really beautiful because it talks about commitment. So if you've had any you know, relationships that have started in a bad way. This is a great way to understand that. Or if you've had relationships that have just started to fall away or feel as if they're not quite what they used to be, it gives us some support for that. I just think about past relationships and how helpful it would have been for me to know this and understand this and not see it as a moral issue, right? There's like so much more at play, which is hard for us to accept because it's really um, easy to live in this right, wrong, black, white society, but maybe there's more energetically at play that commitment could be two days or it could be 20 years, whatever that looks like, as long as there's open communication and understanding of our needs, which is a whole other conversation of what our needs actually are and learning what those are, making a menu item for our needs. And then moving into devotion, there is one line that I am just so obsessed with. There's so many beautiful things about this devotion where basically you become outside of yourself because you are so ready for this thing to be it. And I, it could be a God. It could be a way of life. It's just you've seen people who are devoted. They are devoted to a cause. Mother Teresa, devoted to the poor. You know, the, these things that we are drawn to, ultimately they lead to a deep devotion to something, a cause or a, a reason to live. You know, it's so beautiful. And the reason it's so contagious when we see people living that way is because we all have it in ourselves and we're just not sure how to get out of the shadow because we're all living in half-hearted ways. And so we have to cut out the half-heartedness in order to even think about getting to devotion which is why we stay stuck in half-heartedness because we're not willing to cut it out. <laughs> it's too scary and it's too ambiguous and it's too unknown. But if we desire devotion, which the quote on this book that I'm in love with, to be devoted means to lie forever in the lap of the divine. It is the most magical. It's like these little moments you experience it. It's like, this is what it looks like. This is what it feels like 
this is what it is to be in full surrender because I trust my heart. I trust that my heart is going to lead me to the right place. And that means that I am going to be a part of something that is going to transform the world because it's coming from love. The world needs our love. The world needs our healing. The world needs our gifts. And the world does not need our half-heartedness bullshit, (laughs) right? This is where we have those big reckoning moments. We're going to leap into the void. We're going to be the fool that jumps off the cliff. We're going to trust the divine, which means that everything we've committed to, we either say, okay, this is how I'm going to finish that commitment. This is how I'm going to see it through. This is how I'm going to build the strength inside me and the resiliency, how I'm going to build practices in my day-to-day life because it might take seven years, but I trust that I can pull it through to the end so I can break that cycle. Or we just stay stuck in the shadow where we stay overcommitted and we look at people with longing because we ourselves don't know how to get there when it is so simple at the core. It is about saying yes to the things that you truly want to say yes to and not letting fear be the reason you're staying in certain situations and circumstances. And of course, know that I'm saying this from a place of deep respect for wherever you are because this is not an easy conversation because again it comes back to economics and how we get paid and how we get fed and that is a scary scary big world but there is an opening that is happening for us to at least have a conversation and have a dream world that is so magic where we can all be in devotion we can all be in commitment to the things that are really deserving of ourselves of our gifts but we have to recognize where we've half committed or where we stayed stuck in patterns because of fear. And that is my Meathead Hippie podcast for you this Saturday morning. I hope it triggers some thoughts. I hope you go write and journal. Uh, with the moon in Gemini right now, it's a very communication oriented. So lots of throat chakra work is a wonderful thing to do. This is where I lit, lean into the bird quiz, right? So throat chakra specifically is rattlesnake medicine. So regardless of quote what your bird quiz results are, each one is an element. So beluga is very watery and our crown chakra. So really when we're disconnected from the world and things feel like they're falling apart and it's really depressed and you feel really depleted, how do we get connected to crown? And that's where we do beluga medicine. Impala is sacral. How do we feel creative? How do we find this fire in us? How do we feel like the wild woman or wild man that we are? That's when we dig into impala. Rattlesnake, this is throat chakra. How do we speak to others? Is it coming from our heart? Is it coming from a place that's grounded? Or are we just misusing that throat chakra even though all of us have so much to say there is so much healing in that space that needs to happen which is why I wear a necklace on my neck everywhere I go and I will not take it off and the deer is how do I get grounded how do I stay rooted how do I find my root because I feel so in the air and so that's how I've been using the bird quiz if you haven't taken it you can see your baseline results of what your percentages are it's all on emilyshom.com but it's not necessarily just about living and embodying even though it's quite fun to do so this one archetype because we have so much of it in us it's about understanding what medicine is good for what moon phase or what medicine is good for what feeling I have and it's just a good blueprint it's just a start to how to tap into some of this deeper healing that we all need to be collectively doing thank you for listening so much love to you meathead hippie podcast has lots of interviews and there is a 
interview coming up that I am so excited about from Kate Kavanaugh. She is an incredible regenerative farmer and she just reached out. We're scheduling it now. I cannot wait to talk to her. So there's great interviews coming, talking about compost tea soon um, that I've been making and doing in the garden. I'm excited to see the results of it, some biodynamics, really understanding about the moon cycles, just so much stuff that I'm learning and I can't wait to share with you all. And if you at all have feedback, if you at all have guests that you think would be good or you yourself want to bring something to Meathead Hippie or you just have feedback in general, just email us at support at emilyshram.com. And the last thing is if you have not seen it, we finally switched from plastic bottles to boxes. So we have a change at Empirica Supplements and I'm so proud of this change for so many reasons. It makes it more convenient for you to take supplements. It makes it less overwhelming. Even if you remember to take your supplements three to four times a week, you will see the differences in your micronutrient deficiencies, which ultimately are a byproduct of our food infrastructure and farming methods. But as we ourselves become more whole and healed, we open up awareness in so many ways. And I believe so much we are making it easier through supplementation to have those openings, to have those awakenings. It's all a part of the story. So we have four boxes, the essentials. If you are brand new to supplementation, is a perfect place to start. And there's a few more, including digest, brain, which is wonderful for people with concussions or who have shift workers in their life, or if you yourself are working shifts overnight, working opposite of the sun. And then we also have one for skin, which has a beautiful combination of support. And it also is making my hair grow so well in my armpit hair and my hair hair. (laughs) So it's been so fun to see my body change from skin, nails and hair. I really love it. It's really great. So all of that can be found on myempirica.com, E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A, Empirica. Thank you for listening and I will be here soon.